0: Crank up the volume and get ready for real-world bird hunting by listening to the Wingman Podcast by Eastman's. Now your host, Todd Helms. Hey guys, this episode of the Wingman Podcast is brought to you by Sitka Gear. And we've been partnered with Sitka for, man, I don't know, four years, five years now? Since the beginning, we've been wearing Sitka gear and I... Oh man, you guys have heard me talk about Sitka gear on and off and sing their praises. But what I wanted to do is explain to you exactly why I'm a believer in Sitka gear and what it's done for me as a waterfowler. First of all, I grew up wearing hand-me-down clothes, wearing that stuff in the 80s and 90s where I was always wet. I was always cold. And so having good, high-quality gear that keeps me in the field until I'm ready to go home is vital. And it's just super important, and I appreciate it so much. And the folks over at Sitka just build the single best waterfowl clothing on the planet. The fit, the performance, every single piece is exactly is thought out perfectly, and it is performance-driven. I think back to some of the hunts that we do out here just last season, as a matter of fact, hunting at 21 below zero uh, on a late season goose and duck hunt. I was able to stay out there long enough in the field that I harvested my dream bird, which was a Drake pintail. That was using Sitka's boreal setup, both the parka, both the jacket and the bibs. That stuff is built for the late season, but there's more to obviously sitka's waterfall setup then or sitka's waterfall system i should say than just simply uh cold weather i look at the delta system and it is designed to keep you dry in even in the early season when it's warm and you might be working up a big sweat walking into your spot that system's going to breathe and it's going to keep you dry from the outside while also ventilating you from the inside I've seen it on cold days. I've seen this exact thing happen with their, when I'm layered up with the city gear. I start with uh, either a synthetic or, a mer, or their Merino base. And then I put on, a lot of times I'll just put on like a, either a soft shell or a puffy vest. And then either a soft shell or a puffy on top. The Dakota hoodie is one of my favorite pieces. But I've also used some pieces that aren't, are no longer uh, in production. Which is a high mountain hoodie. But I've seen the moisture get pulled off my skin through the layers and actually freeze as ice particles and frost particles on the outside of the clothing. Now what that's doing is it's telling me that sweat that I worked up in the morning going into my spot is is getting sucked away from my skin, keeping me warm and keeping me dry and keeping me in the blind hunting birds. Another quick story about Sitka and I'll stop hey guys welcome to another edition of the Wingmen podcast and this is episode 40 wow 40 episodes that's kind of hard to believe um but here we are 40 episodes deep and still going still having fun it's hunting season everybody's out chasing birds and i i haven't been out too much um Things are just kind of getting rolling here in Wyoming. (coughs) Pardon me. Still battling this cold, but we're just getting started here in Wyoming. We're looking at pheasant season coming up. Uh, Been doing a little bit of upland bird hunting. Had a good time hunting sage grouse in September. Been getting into some chuckers while on big game hunts, um, specifically antelope. And gotten Hondo into some birds lately that, man, alive, the instincts on that dog, unbelievable. Was able to actually get him out uh, on an entire covey of Chuckers last Saturday. And they flushed, and I marked down where they went and got him on the spot where they had been. And nose down, tail going crazy, he was on it. And so I walked him over a couple hundred yards to where the birds pitch back down and he ended up flushing five chuckers and it was spectacular. So we ended up getting, getting some birds out of that, which was super cool. Just the instincts on that dog are absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I am really, really excited to see how he continues to progress in the future. I think it's gonna be awesome. I'm, I'm really excited about all of this with him and training's going well. Been a little bit of a slowdown on training just because of big game seasons opening and work schedules being insane, but we're still grinding. We're still getting after it, still making training updates. We're actually releasing a training update video the same time as this podcast is dropping. So stay tuned for that or don't stay tuned for it. Go find it. It's on, it'll be on YouTube, be on our Facebook channel. Um, it also goes out in this month's wing beats newsletter. So all that said, I'm talking about managing hunting pressure today. Um, got brainstorming on some blog topics And I had a guest lined up for today and decided that, you know what, I want to talk about this one-on-one and then maybe we can get into it later with a guest um, and see what, see what they think. But managing hunting pressure. I think that the number one mistake that guys who hunt private land make is they overshoot their spots. And what I mean by that is, you get a good spot, and you want to. The temptation is to go back, like day after day after day after day, and time after time after time, and because there's birds there. Well, pretty soon, what you run into is you'll have a good shoot where you'll maybe kill a limit. You and your buddies kill a limit or a birds. Maybe you do it again the next day or. The day after that but if you keep grinding on those spots and i'm talking private land spots leased spots spots that you have actually you can you kind of control the access this doesn't apply on public land spots unless of course you got a sweet honey hole that nobody knows about which is super rare in today's day and age <clears throat> If you've got one of those public land spots, man, that is a gold mine. Don't, don't show anybody, don't tell anybody um, because it won't, it won't stay that way for very long. Simply like back in the day, we were able to keep public land spots uh, secret just simply because of the lack of knowledge out there. But with, uh, with the amount of information available in today's world, There's very few secrets. So public land spots are good. Public land spots are gems, and you don't share those with very many folks. Um, I'm not, I'm not advocating here, not taking people hunting. What I am advocating is using some discretion. You know, if you've got, you've got somebody you don't know very well, and you got a killer public land spot, I wouldn't be taking them there because you don't know if you could trust that person. If you've got uh, someone you've hunted with forever and you happen to stumble onto a gem, by all means, if you can trust them, you think you could trust them, share them. Um, but what I'm talking about are private land spots that you control access to or leased property that you can control access to. Excuse me. I am, you're going to have to excuse me. I'm still fighting this cold, so I'm going to up in a piece of candy all right here we go like i said over shooting a spot or over hunting a spot is going to obviously chase birds out of it um a lot of the stuff that we have here we have we do have some leased property here on the here um locally that's close and but we hunt a lot of other stuff too we hunt public we hunt um private that we don't lease We're fortunate in that regard, but the least stuff I try not to hunt, um, the least properties that I have more than once a week. Um, and I try to mix that up. So I'm not hunting like every Saturday because guess what? You can condition those birds as well to timing. They're not, uh, yeah, they may have a brain that big, but they're not stupid. And if they get banged on a lot in the same spot at the same time, they will start avoiding that spot. Usually from what I see, a week's rest or three or four days rest is usually sufficient, depending on if I'm getting turnover in birds. What I mean by turnover in birds is if I'm getting fresh birds continually for you know say you're in a weather pattern and it's pushing birds around and it's shuffling the deck and so i'm getting fresh birds that aren't used to that area and haven't been shot at in that area in those spots you can shoot a spot with two days rest or three days rest and i'm talking small properties guys i'm not talking great big great big huge pieces of property i'm talking like one little section in our neck of the woods one little section of river that's a mile, half mile, and there might be one really good spot to set up and hunt. If you hunt that spot, if I were to hunt that spot more than once or twice a week, it would stop producing birds very, very quickly. And what I mean by that is you're obviously going to see birds like fewer birds, but the bird, you, you may be seeing fewer birds, but you'll definitely see. A change in the behavior of the birds and what i mean by that is you go you go from having birds that are very willing to work that are very um responsive to calling they see the decoys and they want to be right there in that spot they they're flying you know fairly low and cooperating with you and all of a sudden they're not doing that anymore they're flying high They are, they don't pay any attention to your calls or worse. They're flaring when you call. They're freaking out as soon as you hit them with a call. They don't want anything to do with your decoys or they'll swing. They may give you a look from high over or too far to shoot and they'll swing two, three, four times. And then they don't want anything to do with you. Those birds are pressured. Those birds are wary. They're spooky. They've been shot at a bunch over those, over that spread and in that spot. There's, like I said, the easiest way to mitigate that problem is to just not hunt those spots more than once a week. If you, if it's the only thing you got, I, I think it's even, if, if that's the only thing you have, I think it's even more important to rest those spots. And it gets back into a conversation that Ramsey Russell and I had about quantity versus quality. Do you want to hunt a lot or do you want to hunt less and have better hunts? I'm all about hunting less and having better hunts. Fortunately, by with scouting and with being able to get out, I could still hunt. And I think most of us could probably still hunt quite a bit and just not hunt those spots. Save your honey holes save them for when the weather's right save them for a day when you know the birds are going to just just cover you up i would rather do that i had a spot last year that i was keeping tabs on and i say last year because our season really hasn't even started yet we're in the we're in the between splits right now but i had a spot last year that i kept tabs on for like a month and i was watching it excuse me and i wasn't the only person that had access to the spot i was just kind of hoping that the other that the other hunters weren't going to get in there and i kind of knew knew about when they would be hunting anyway so i i was watching it watching it watching it watching it and it turns out these guys hunted this spot um on a couple of days when the weather wasn't great and they killed birds, but they didn't, they didn't really get into them like real crazy. And I was able to wait for, like I said, about a month, maybe three and a half weeks. And I was looking at the weather forecast and I'm like, Ooh, the day's coming and the weather was perfect. Sure enough, the day of, I thought, you know what? I'm going to take a gamble. The weather's supposed to be perfect for this spot this day went in weather was perfect it was exactly what the doctor ordered and the ducks were everywhere we were covered up it was the right call now does it always work that way no (laughs) i wish it did i wish i was some kind of waterfall genie that you know had a magic lamp and could just produce mallards like that but it doesn't always work that way you know sometimes you sit on a spot you wait on a spot And it never gets good or somebody else on private property, especially gets permission slips in kills birds that you, you wanted to hunt. That's the name of the game. That's the way it happens. Some things like that. You don't have control over things that you have control over are how often you hunt a spot that you have permission to hunt. You have control over what types of birds you're shooting. And I'm not talking about species, I'm talking about, are you shooting into big groups or are you shooting singles, pairs, small groups? If you're shooting into big groups and you have lots of birds around and you're in a good spot and you're where they want to be and you can control the access to that, you can really, you've got the first, you've got the first one. You've got the pressure component under control. Don't shoot big groups. You shouldn't be shooting big groups. Um, there's some reasons for this first reason you're going to kill more birds or hit more birds or cripple more birds than you think you do in those big wads of birds. And I'm talking wads, like it's, it's a mass of birds and you shake a shot at a bird, you're shooting upwards and there's more birds behind it you're going to be hitting those other birds too. You may not knock them down. You may not kill them outright. But how many of those birds fly off and die later? Here's a case in point. Last year, we had, we had a pretty good group. Um, we had a pretty, pretty big group of birds on a piece of private that we had access to. There was a couple thousand birds working this spot. And the problem was they weren't coming in singles and pairs and they were coming in big groups of 30, 40, 50 birds at a crack. So it was kind of your limited options, but we, 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 kind of milked that spot and waited till the last day of season to hunt it. So we did shoot into some bigger groups, bigger than I like. We were on the edge of a big wide open field where we were hunting. We could see a long ways. And as these birds would fly off, you know, we've got two, three, four birds laying there dead. And they fly off and you're watching and all of a sudden the bird drops three, four, 500 yards out. And another one drops half mile out. Take Mac, go mop them up. Those weren't birds that I think we were absolutely, we were actually shooting at. Those are birds that got That was kind of like collateral damage, I guess, if you will. And that's what you get when you shoot into those big groups like that. And I mean bunched up, tight, tight groups. Now, if that's all you have, if that's the only shooting you have, okay. But maybe try to shoot on the fringes of those big groups. Shoot the bottom birds. Shoot the ones on the edges. So you're not shooting into those big wads. Where I, where we see this a lot and where it's hard not to is in dry land hunts In dry land hunts, especially with mallards, especially in these cornfields out here in the West. You'll get wads of birds, great, big, huge wads of birds. And you'll, you'll tear into one tear into a wad and you'll kill, you know, four, five, six birds out of that group. And you do it again in the next one, do it again in the next one. It's hard to lay off. And if, and if that's the only shooting that you've got, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to judge you. I've done it. I've done it. I don't like to do it. I don't like to do it. I like to watch those big wads of birds work, but if I can, if I can refrain from shooting into those, it does two things. It saves inadvertent duck lives you know, through collateral damage that I just talked about. And it keeps those birds uneducated. Those big groups like that, you fire once, twice, three times into those big wads. You just educated a whole bunch of ducks to your spot. Let them work. Let them swing. Chances are, as the morning progresses or the day goes on, singles, pairs, are gonna drift around, they're gonna pick up, fly over, especially on these rivers. They get up and they shift around a little bit. That's when you're shooting, just mm, I love shooting those pairs, those singles. Something about that, they work really well, they decoy really well. Don't get me wrong, I love watching great big wads and mallards tear up the decoys. That it is it's what I live for. Most waterfowlers, I think, probably live for big groups of birds just doing it but if you can keep yourself from shooting into those you're going to keep your spot fresher longer and you're going to wound and cripple fewer birds um, that you may not even have intended to do so that's those two things if you've got a spot that you have access to and other people do as well, but there's let's say there's four or five guys total that have access to this spot. If you can coordinate your efforts, coordinate the days you hunt, you know, most of us hunt weekends. Most of us are weekend warriors. That's the way it is. Myself included. If I know that I'm going to hunt a spot on Saturday and I know that the other guys that have permission for that spot are probably going to be there on Saturday, reach out to them, say, Hey, are you guys going to hunt this on Saturday? If so, do you want to hunt with us? Or can we hunt with you? If your group's small, if everybody's amenable to it, you're, what you're doing is you're taking what would be two groups in competition of each other, bouncing birds back and forth. And you're combining those two into one group That is going to put overall, put less pressure on those birds. One big, one larger group is going to put less pressure on a group of birds than two groups hunting different parts of the same piece. You'll get more good, high quality hunts longer than you would if you split up and you were competing against each other. I know it doesn't always work that way. I know sometimes it can be difficult to work out schedules, it can be difficult to get a hold of people. Um maybe you don't want to hunt with those guys. You know, maybe you maybe you want to hunt by yourself or just you and your your buddy or who you're with. That's okay. I'm just trying to give you some ideas to help keep your birds fresh longer. I know right now we're just starting to see birds filter into the area. Uh, We got a little bit of weather, push some birds down, but we don't have a lot of birds yet. There's some, there's some. So man, if I want to get good shoots, managing those hunts is going to be crucial. Managing those times when I'm out getting after those birds is going to be 100% crucial. Now, I'm going to get into the other part of the equation of why I like to shoot singles and pairs or small groups. I think that most of us, myself included, tend to shoot better when there's fewer birds in front of you. You don't, we don't necessarily get this. I don't know. It's, it's like you, you just kind of, ah, and you just start shooting when there's big wads. I shoot way better on one when there's a Drake Mallard coming into the decoys. I shoot way better. I'm going to kill that duck the majority of the time. And I think most people do. I think most people are in the same boat. You throw 15 birds in a a flock or 20 birds in a flock, probably going to kill one, maybe two but most guys don't shoot that great when there's bigger numbers of birds. So I'm educating fewer birds. Like I said earlier, I'm also collecting my limit very quickly. Get in, get out. This is like blitzkrieg, duck hunting, lightning strikes. That's what you want to be like. You want to be in quiet, shoot your birds and get out. That's why I don't like hunting with a big crew of guys. Do we do it? Yes. You'll see us hunt with five, six people. I prefer to hunt with one or two other people. It does two things. It gets us, or it does the biggest thing that accomplishes. It gets us in, we kill our birds, and we get out of there. And we haven't haven't raised a huge ruckus. Not the same amount that five, six, seven dudes in a blind will. You get five, six, seven guys in a blind, all railing on the same birds. You can wear a spot out real fast. You, you might get, excuse me. You might get three good hunts a season out of a spot. If you're hunting with a lot of guys and doing a lot of shooting, it's just the truth of the matter. Unless you have something like when it gets real cold out here in the West, a lot of times we get, you if you could find a, a hot, some a hot water source or a warm water source that doesn't freeze and everything else is frozen, those birds, then, then they're pretty vulnerable and they have to be there. And you can, you could beat on them pretty good. Whether or not we should is a whole, whole other argument, but you can. So my point is this fall, When you're hunting, if you've got a spot that you can manage the access to and you've got birds in there and it's a consistent producer, be a little more, be a little conservative with it, you know, try to try to have backup spots or other places that you can go and hunt birds, you know, so you can rest these other these spots that you have access to you control access to once a week maybe you know if you could rest them two weeks you know once every two weeks man that's even better i know that's not an option for every, for everybody it's not realistic for a lot of folks i'm just telling you what i've seen in all oh, dang I don't know how many years of waterfall hunting but a lot what i have seen is that when i can rest water or rest a spot i can shoot that spot over and over and over and over again throughout the season and over the course of a season out here i can get good shoots on spots three four five times in a season versus once or twice you know whereas I'm talking about going out and I'm, and I'm putting limits of birds on the strap every single time I go versus hunting it multiple times in a week and killing one, two birds, three birds, four birds. And yeah, you'll have a day when it all comes together and you'll kill a limit and be like, man, he isn't always talking about. Okay. Okay. But I, I know I do. And because I've seen it. I've seen it happen over and over and over and over again. If you can rest the spot, rest it at least a week. You can rest it more. Do that. (coughs) Don't shoot into big groups if you can help it. If that's all you got around, okay. If you can shoot singles and pairs, great. Don't divide and conquer. One group of hunters making a ruckus. Get in, get out. Go stealth mode. Get in kill your birds. Get out of there. Don't linger. Don't hang around. Go talk, go eat breakfast, go do whatever, go have a beverage or whatever it is you're going to do someplace else. Get out of there and let those birds get back in that spot. You do these things guys. And I'm telling you, you're going to see better hunts throughout the course of a season. than if you just keep pounding on the same spots all the time it's going to take some work on your part to develop other other spots so if you've got one or two really good spots that you have you kind of control access to say you're the only one with permission or it's a lease or whatever it might be expand expand your horizons get two or three or four spots if you can if you got two you could shoot one one weekend, then shoot the next one the next weekend. And that way, there's always one being rested. And those birds in that spot are going to be rested. And I'm not talking about, okay, it's half a mile away. I'm talking about, like, miles away. Again, that's not feasible in every part of the country. Stuff not, may not be feasible where you are. If it is, have that. Have Have spots where you can go different places. Maybe say, you know what, we got, we got this, we pounded the birds in this spot last weekend. This weekend, we're going to hunt public. We're going to we're going to try hunt public. Or, you know, my buddy over here's got a good spot. We're going to go give that a word. We're going to rest this. I guarantee you that when you start resting your duck spots, you're going to kill more birds and it's going to be a more enjoyable hunt because of that. So take, Take it for what it's worth. You know, I'm, I'm no expert by any means, but I've, I've been duck hunting a long time and I've seen uh, a lot of hunting scenarios. I've seen a lot of good ones. I've seen a lot of bad ones and I've seen a lot of mediocre ones. The one thing that they all have in common is that the hunting could be good in almost every single one of them. And the people that were hunting it had an impact on the quality of the hunting in that location. Just that's the common denominator. So think about it. If you can diversify, put more arrows in your quiver, whatever you want to call it, spread out, get more spots, do that, do that. Rest your really good spots. If you can, as much as you can, Hunt them only a couple times a season, three, four times a season, your hunting's going to be a lot better. There you go. Till next time, we'll see you in the field.